Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Hey Molly, it's Lily. I'm from Massachusetts and I just wanted to reflect on the recent episode about coming back from a traumatic breakup and it spoke to me so much. It has helped me more than any therapist's insight has ever given me. I probably needed to hear that voicemail since the freaking eighth grade. Um, and you know, like, like I said, hearing about the limerence was just so relatable every moment of that podcast was of that episode was amazing and I loved the meditation at the end because you talked about how to deal with pain in the moment and like you know I'm just a very very sensitive person um with with GI distress and (laughs) and reactivity and everything (laughs) but um again you are so amazing and i am very indebted and grateful for your podcast um that you provide on these platforms i'm just i'm just so thankful and i hope that i hope that you get this and understand that i've i've just benefited so much Thank you so much for that voicemail, Lily. I am really happy to hear how helpful the executive dysfunction episode has been. The feedback on that episode was overwhelmingly positive, and I just feel like it's something we don't talk about enough. We talk a lot about the symptoms, but we don't talk about what's underneath them. Welcome to Back from the Borderline. For those of you who are new listeners or seeing a wave of new listeners lately, and for returning listeners, welcome back. And Lily, you have no idea how helpful your voicemail was for me. And plus, I received like four or five other really sweet, sweet emails this week. And that stuff keeps me going. I am going to just be open with all of you that I've been having a little bit of a tough week. I received my first couple of one-star reviews on the podcast and I would be lying if I said that it didn't send me into a little bit of a spiral because guess what? I'm a human being and guess what? I put everything I have into this podcast. It's my baby. I care so deeply what people think about me even though I shouldn't and I need to remember that I can't be for everyone but it hurts and so I guess I just wanted to humanize myself a little bit before diving in. You know, these reviews, some of the highlights from the reviews were just that I'm not relatable anymore and that I'm trauma dumping on all my listeners in my episodes, that my titles are misleading, that... (laughs) And I laugh now, but I got myself like back to a, a good place with it all. But what it reminded me of, and I'm not saying woe is me, you know, part of being online means that you're going to get critical feedback. And also it's good to get some critical feedback, but it's also good to recognize what's 
destructive criticism and what is constructive criticism. And whenever I get, you know, really destructive negative feedback, I always go to the people that I love most and respect most, like the authors that I love, the podcasters that have been at this for 10 years, and I go and read their one-star reviews, and it just reminds me that you cannot have any kind of online presence and have perfectly happy feedback. And isn't it crazy how all of us, and I think anyone can relate to this, if you create something, if you're a business owner, even in just our relationships, it's like one little criticism can almost overwrite all of the amazing things. And it just goes to show it's that splitting stuff, right? Where I still split. And that was my week this week. I was super premenstrual. I received the feedback, the reviews rather. And I actually convinced myself that like, maybe I suck at this. It had like massive imposter syndrome. And I feel like if I don't talk about that stuff, it's not giving you the full picture. So there it is, you know, I'm a human being just trying my best to do this as ethically as possible to help people as much as I can while still remaining true to myself. And I know that I'm doing my best and that's all that matters and that I have a group of people here that my work is really helping and for people who it won't help that's okay too they're allowed to have their opinion a quote that helped me this week and maybe it'll help you if you have trouble with kind of hearing people's opinions about you there's a quote by a famous writer named Albert Hubbard from his book called John North Willies and the quote says do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, and you'll never be criticized. Everyone on earth, the biggest thinkers, the most impactful people, always have critics. And I hope this week that this can maybe inspire you to do something, say something, speak your mind. There's always going to be someone who has something to say about it, but if you are doing the best you can from a good place in your heart, then keep going. And I hope that hearing me share this and a little bit about what I'm going through on the other side of the microphone can help someone this week. I never want to lose my integrity. It's really important to me, which is also why I decided to turn off advertisements this last week. I tried it for a bit and I really hated them. I listened to a few of my episodes and I just heard the ads that popped up. I don't know if you as a public feed listener, my premium submarines weren't getting advertisements, but after experiencing the way that it felt with the automated ads being dropped in, I just didn't like it and I felt like it took me away of the emotion. And as a podcaster with those automated ads, I actually have no way of even knowing who's advertising on my podcast. So the other day I opened my podcast and I heard like an advertisement for like a cryptocurrency podcast. And I was like, what the fuck? This is not going to do it for me. So I decided to switch those off and I was making monthly revenue from them, but I, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it to me to compromise my integrity. If I decide to work with a sponsor in the future, it's going to be someone or a brand that 
I really, really believe in and that I can go to sleep at night knowing that it aligns with my integrity. That's just a little bit in the background of what's been going on with me. If you want to and feel compelled to do so, um, maybe you can go to Apple Podcasts and write me a review and share how the podcast has helped or changed your life. That would be super cool. You have no idea what it means for creators like me who really are just back here behind the scenes working their asses off just trying to help and not doing like coaching or trying to just squeeze every last penny out of their audience base what it means to just read kind words in a review so even if you think like oh molly's podcast gets thousands of downloads a month blah blah what does it matter no it really really matters it really helps independent creators like me just feel like i'm not speaking out into the abyss so i really appreciate all of you who've taken the time to do that for me and part of the critical review that i received too is that this person didn't like that i read listener reviews on the podcast or played voicemails of people sharing their love for the podcast and I can confidently say that I'm never going to stop doing that because that's part of the way that we've been able to grow this community is sharing the words and reactions and feelings of other listeners. This has just been an extended thank you to all of you who have reached out to me and expressed gratitude and shared with me your reactions and feelings it really means the world and from the bottom of my heart i love you all so much and i will never stop doing my best i'll never stop trying to stay in alignment with my integrity and what i offer each and every one of you so thank you i have some amazing voicemails and so i thought that today we would do another laid-back episode and take some of your questions because these are so relatable so good and i've been super stoked to get into them so let's hear our first voicemail from liz hi molly my name is liz i'm 22 i'm from indiana uh your podcast has been super helpful for me on my recovery journey so thank you so much for putting this resource out there really appreciate you really appreciate the pod um so my boyfriend and i have been together for about two years And when we first started dating, he lived in an apartment with three other guys and then two of those guys' girlfriends. And I never got along super well with his roommates. Um, There was always some weird tension um, because I can be very stiff and I tend to shift around people I don't know well. Um, And so like every day in that apartment, I was like a completely different person. And that was fairly unsettling, I think, for them. And when we had been dating for about six months, they actually kicked him out of the apartment. Um, Like they kicked him off the lease and everything. And they wouldn't tell us why. But we, we know that it was mostly because I made them uncomfortable. And it's been a year and a half, but I still feel really bad. And I don't know what to do to try and move on from that feeling of guilt for feeling like I ruined his friendships. This is the most relatable voicemail ever, Liz. 
I will share a little bit of a personal anecdote that might help. And then we're going to kind of dive into more research-based response of mine to this. But you shared something that I have struggled with deeply. When I was in some of my earliest relationships, my partner had a friend group that I didn't get along with very well. And I am a little bit socially awkward. And so I'm always hyper analyzing how other people feel about me. And it takes me a while to warm up and really be myself around other people. I have been known to have like resting bitch face. So many people have shared with me months after knowing me, they're like, wow, I thought you hated me when we first met. Most of the time, I think when I'm giving resting bitch face or seeming really unapproachable or uncomfortable, it's because I'm stuck in my own head, in my own world, and it has nothing to do with the other people. But that's what is coming up for me when you're sharing this thing about your boyfriend's friends. I also have to admit there is a bit of like my own toxic nature back before I kind of really started trying to become more self-aware that I think I was like low-key a little bit jealous of my my ex-partner's friends, you know, like he was so close with them. And I also sometimes saw them being like some of his friends had girlfriends and I saw when they would go out how gross and predatory they were being and they'd be hitting on other girls. And so then it made me think my partner's probably doing that. And I just went into like this spiraling neuroses. And so therefore I had a really hard time coming across warm and fuzzy to his friends because I had this weird feeling that they would be like pressuring my boyfriend into saying like, whatever, just like cheat on her kind of thing. (laughs) God, it's just dating especially in the early time is really messy. And you said, you know, after six months of dating, they kicked him out of the apartment and you did say, we know it was because you made them uncomfortable. I want to give you just a gentle reframe here. You don't know that's why you may have a good spidey sense of that being why you'll never know why. And it might be for a reason that you have no idea what it is. It might stem from a completely random neuroses of one of these roommates. I wouldn't take that on your shoulders if I were you. And if you were my sister, I would ask that you didn't take that on your shoulders. You even said that you kind of felt like you tend to shift around people you don't know well. You feel like maybe every time you were in that apartment, you were a different person. When we're really sensitive and we have really big feelings, the beginning of a relationship is probably the hardest and the most triggering thing ever. We're questioning ourselves. We're questioning the person that we're dating. We're almost like putting them through tests, even like putting the people they live with through tests. And it's just really hard. Cut yourself some slack, be kind to yourself and know that it's not necessarily something that you know for sure that you are the reason that your partner was kicked out of that apartment. If this was a group of people that couldn't even be honest and upfront to maybe sit down with your boyfriend and say, Hey, this is why, if you felt like it was this really kind of like awkward, quick decision, black and white, cutting him off fast, then maybe it wasn't that great of a relationship and friendship to begin with. When I am 
excessively overthinking and I'm getting stuck in these guilt and shame spirals and these feelings of self-hatred that you are displaying in this voicemail, if you could erase all the mistakes of your past, you would also erase all the wisdom of your present. I'm going to say that again because I think it's that important. If you could erase all the mistakes of your past, you would also erase all the wisdom of your present. Now, this isn't about justifying our errors, like being selfish or self-centered, but it's more about using to grow and evolve into the best version of ourself. And when we learn from the past, we can let it go. We can transform this self-hatred and this guilt and this shame into self-compassion. Also, people with anxiety and people with big feelings, super sensitive natures like us, we tend to pay attention to the past and the future a lot more than we should. The more that we think about those things, the more that they can just trap us in that moment. And the reason why people say the phrase thoughts become things and we're so like hyper obsessed with the concept of manifestation is because there is a lot of truth in that, but we can also just realize that when we're thinking about that, like for example, when you left that voicemail or right now, when you think about the stupidest thing you've ever done, listener, this is you just thinking, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel anxious. It makes your stomach hurt. You start to literally start feeling like you're right back in that moment. And all of a sudden, instead of being right here, right now, you're back there. So thank you, Liz, for opening up and sharing that with all of us, because I think we can all relate. We've all been there. And so many of us have been in a position where we're going like, was it because of me thinking it's all our faults? And I have to say, one day in the future, you might find out that it was a completely different reason that your boyfriend was evicted from that apartment or kicked out by this. They voted him off the apartment island, maybe for something that has nothing to do with you. And you will have, you know, spent all of this time spinning out. But even if it was that they all sat down and had a tribunal and decided, fuck Liz, we can't handle her anymore. We're kicking him out of the apartment. Like that's kind of a bitch move. Like they didn't have the balls <laughs> to sit you down and or sit your boyfriend down at least and have a conversation about it. It was a really shady way of going about something regardless. And so the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is free yourself of the guilt and shame live in the moment right now. It sounds like you're still with your partner and that can be something you just look back and laugh at years down the line and also figure out what have you learned about yourself through this process? How can you turn this into self-compassion and wisdom? Hi Molly, this is Otilia. I'm 26 years old and I'm calling from Finland. First, I would like to thank you so much for your amazing contribution and work in this community and to tell you that I love the way your podcasts have evolved over time. It has been helping me a tremendous amount. And now during hard times, it's even more helpful. 
basically after two years of not dating, I just met this guy not very long ago and he seemed like the perfect match for me. We started developing feelings pretty early and we were really attracted to each other, but also we seemed very much alike. But I just found out two days ago that he has a pregnant girlfriend back home and this ruined my self-esteem and my trust in myself and in others. And I've been really bad at coping with it. I just feel like I lost all the progress and I cannot get back on track. And I would kindly ask for some advice. How should I deal with such a situation? Thank you so much again. And I wish you all the best. Oh, Otilia. I am so sorry. I feel like sometimes these voicemails that like the big sister vibe in me just wants to be like, fuck that guy. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened and a little bit and a lot of bit. Fuck that guy. I know that is definitely not the the start and end of my advice, but just I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I can only imagine that this opened up a really deep wound for you. Um, infidelity and cheating is something that it's a topic that's very close to my heart because my first marriage uh, ended with a really, really out of the left field cheating thing that completely threw my life upside down. So I can understand that completely just being sideswiped and feeling like your whole life is like reset and all the progress you thought you made is back at square one. And I just want to validate that it's normal to feel blindsided and betrayed and you need to give yourself time to grieve this. Someone gave me advice a long time ago of like when a breakup happens or when a, something like this occurs, it's always really nice to say like, I'm going to give myself seven days or like X amount of days, right? To be a complete grieving mess. And at the end of seven days, then I'm going to start putting the pieces together, getting to the root of this and figuring out where I can draw wisdom from this situation. And I, I think that's really important. We often move so quick from the end of a situation like this to either getting right back on a dating app and like throwing ourselves right back into the mix so that we can get a new person to distract us or even like talk to our friends and we get so wrapped up in being like, fuck this asshole, Right. I'm back out on, t on the town. I'm going to go out and I'm going to just like, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. No. Worst advice ever. Because what are we doing then? We're just like repressing and stuffing those feelings. It's really, really important to grieve the end of something. It's really important to sit with that part of yourself that feels abandoned and betrayed and hurt and allow all of those feelings to come up. This is when some of my favorite advice comes into play, which is like, if you have a car going out into your car with a pillow and just screaming into a pillow, I say a car because a car really deadens sound. The last thing you really want to do is like scream bloody murder in like an apartment and you're going to get the cops called on you or something. Dunking my face in ice water, screaming, punching a pillow. Punching a pillow is something you can do in your in the comfort of your own home without terrifying people if you do it in a private room 
or telling the people that you live with, like, Hey, I'm just going to like scream into a pillow. So if you hear me screaming into a pillow in my room, like everything's good, but get these feelings out, journal them out, scream them out. If you are the kind of person who's like an exercise person, like go on a sprint, even if you're not, sometimes when I'm really dysregulated, I am by far, um, far, far away from being an athlete. I'll just go out and sprint down the block and back. And it just, it helps just expel that energy that you're feeling. So that's my first bit of advice is have the grieving process and give yourself a time frame. And that's not, and, and make it a generous time frame. You know yourself. It's not two days. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's 10 days. Just say, I'm going to give myself permission to be a grieving mess for X amount of days. I know that this was likely a really passionate beginning of something for you. And if you're anything like me, and I'm sure many of the listeners who are tuning in can relate to this, is like we build this story up in our mind about someone and we start to think about a future with them. And when things just kind of get put on halt like this. And not only is it put on hold, it's not like someone called you and said, Hey, this isn't working and we're breaking up. That's hard enough. But knowing that the betrayal was so deep, deep enough to have a pregnant girlfriend, it's like, how did I end up with such a unself-aware? I'm trying to be nice. Cause we could say he was a, a narcissist, a piece of shit. But in reality, that wouldn't be me being true to myself here either. I'm sure this he's a human being. He has his own issues. And it's not about him right now. It's about you. And that's really important too, is just recognizing that all we can do is focus on ourselves. When I am have been in a situation like you're in now, it would have helped me back then for someone to say, you know, even in relationships, Love will grow stronger, but it will also fade away. Love is just as much of a choice as it is a feeling. So right now, this person doesn't deserve your love. Choose to put your love and effort elsewhere. And that feeling that you had for this person, which was maybe a bit of limerence, because now you can see This person is clearly reenacting trauma history with you and you with him, likely. This was not love. So move your feelings of love and care towards something that deserves all of that energy for you right now. That's really important. This pain will subside, just like all feelings. All feelings build to an intensity and then they disperse and they can come back again. But there is no button to turn it off. We can sleep around, we can find someone else, but growing a new feeling won't make this one disappear. It's just going to add more to your emotional plate than you should probably be taking on right now, but you know yourself best. So again, always take my advice with a grain of salt because as I always say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I just take a very big sister vibe. I feel like I've lived a thousand lives at this point and I'm just sharing the wisdom I've gained along the way 
and something that I wish someone could have told me when I was in a position like you're in now. And another thing, you're going to know this is true, but this is the advice that we know, we know in our hearts, but we ignore it. So what I'm saying is block this person. Don't talk to them. Don't try to lurk, especially if they've got some kind of pregnant girlfriend. (laughs) You don't want to be seeing maternity photos and shit like this. The best revenge that you can have is to be happy in your own life. Guaranteed, because I know this character that you are engaged with right now because I have been involved with a few of these types of characters. There is definitely an archetype. And it is likely that this person is going to try to re-enter your life in some way, apologize, maybe even try to tell you that talk shit on the person that's pregnant and try to say that they want to be with you. I can just tell you from experience that there is power in just saying, I'm done blocking and moving on with your life. You are clearly in your own healing process. This person didn't care about you enough to be honest with you. And you had to find out in a really devastating manner that you'd been betrayed And I would say that that is justification to cut this off for your own self-preservation. Getting involved in a dynamic like his right now, trying to get in the mix of someone who's currently pregnant and then maybe also dealing, who is now dealing with a cheating baby daddy, it's just not a dynamic you want to consciously insert yourself in especially if this person has betrayed you already, you could end up being in that girl's position too one day. And that is not something that I want for you. I'm really lucky that that was not my reality because it could have easily been. I'm really grateful because I have so much compassion for women who have found themselves in that exact position. I thank God every day that my previous marriage ended early before we had a house or a child together because God knows that only would have made the whole situation even more difficult. So Atelia, I hope that this advice is helpful for you. As I always say, do what's best for you. Follow your gut. I just wanted to give you my thoughts on the matter and my reflections, but also as always, give yourself time to grieve and then start the process of healing and moving forward and making new memories. There is someone out there who will love you for you and not betray you. Just turn your focus inward for a while and allow yourself to heal and grieve from this. And I have no doubt that you are going to come out on the other side so much stronger and wiser. So that's it for today's episode of Back from the Borderline. I'm going to finish this episode as usual that we've been doing for the last few weeks with a preview of my second podcast, My Stupid Walk for My Stupid Mental Health, which you can sign up to access by going to backfromtheborderline.com and clicking Unlock Premium. I'm also now back on Patreon, which I'm very excited to announce because there have been some of you who've reported that you weren't able to sign up 
via ACAST Plus because of different restrictions like usability and also the country that you're signing up from and payment options. So if you would like to join the Patreon community, interact with other listeners, unlock my second podcast, get a monthly newsletter of some really good recommendations of books and podcasts and YouTube videos and all that fun stuff. Again, you can click the link at the bottom of this episode or you can go to backfromtheborderline.com and click unlock premium. So what you'll hear next is a preview of this week's episode of my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. I can't wait to join you in the premium community if you decide to join. And if not, next week, we are going to be taking more listener questions, primarily from a listener named Julia, who is wanting to know about how to handle a partner who is calling her crazy. So if that sounds interesting to you, make sure you're following the podcast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss next week's episode. If you want to join the community on Instagram, you can follow us there at Back From The Borderline. But that's enough plugging all of the extra stuff. I hope you have enjoyed this free and ad-free episode of Back From The Borderline. I always am going to prioritize you, my listener, your emotional experience. This podcast is a calming, soothing oasis for many of my listeners, and it's really important to me that I preserve the integrity of that. So thank you for being here. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. Truly, I really want you to feel like this is directly to you. Thank you for listening to this. I'm just a girl in her 30s staring at the wall and my cat in her little cat bed. And I'm just speaking into a microphone, trying to help another person out there, just like you. I'm a human, just like you. And you are not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. There's power in feeling things deeply. You have skills that no one else on this earth has in the combination that you have you have a voice you have a purpose and you are not the exception to all of those natural laws that exist in the world and I just want to remind you of that because it's really really important I know how it feels to be at the lowest of the low and feel like not me I, I'm not that person that's going to feel okay. I'm, I'm not the person that's going to figure this out. I promise you, it is within you. I just wanted to give you that reminder because sometimes I feel like I had a lot of moments in my life where I needed someone to remind me of that. So I'll leave you with that. And now we will fade into the preview of this week's episode of My Stupid Walk for My Stupid Mental Health. I'll see you next week. Welcome to my stupid walk for my stupid fucking mental health. It is freezing. My tiny little fingies are so cold, you know, and it's so cold that it hurts to move your fingers. Yes, I should have gloves, but I don't. My boogers are definitely going to be flowing on this episode. I'm sniffling because it's so cold, but... As they say, we out here. We out here. We're doing this. So I just want to thank everybody who sent in your 
pictures of yourselves on your stupid walks. I hope you enjoyed them being included on the first edition of the newsletter this month. And I hope you liked that first edition. I'm going to be jumping straight into the topic of today. And this paper by an anthropologist, um, anthropologists study human behavior. She's an anthropology specialist and also, I believe, a psychologist. Her name is Rebecca Lester. One quote from this paper is this. BPD is a disorder of relationship, not of personality. And I love that. And I think it's worth discussing. She essentially says that if someone was on a desert island all alone, they would not develop BPD. BPD develops out of relationships, typically our earliest relationships in childhood. And again, we will emphasize what we call BPD, when in reality is just a cluster of feelings and emotions. I'm even starting to go so, (laughs) be so annoyed with the current system that I don't even like calling what we experience symptoms because I feel like it also just further medicalizes and pathologizes very understandable and adaptive human behaviors. And it is just that these feelings, coping mechanisms, and complexes In Jungian psychology, Carl Jung calls these complexes, and I prefer that. I'm starting to prefer that over symptoms because what complexes are are essentially just feelings and coping mechanisms, and it's those things that we just keep fucking doing that keep us stuck, keep us feeling abandoned, and keep us feeling alone. And all of these things manifest in relationship to other people. Think about it. When are you the most dysregulated? For me, it was often in a new relationship. When I was just starting to see someone, I could be in a really good place and then I would start really liking someone and probably be coming a little bit in limerence with them. And that and by that I mean becoming pretty obsessed with someone new and then I'm obsessed with when they're going to text me the next day or I'm hyper analyzing our interactions and, 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 or I'm obsessed with them and then I get the ick and I decide I can't stand them because of one little thing they did, right? The beginning of new relationships is often when we find ourselves being triggered the most or if we're not invited somewhere by a group of friends or we see stories of other people that are uploaded and we start reading into the stories that people upload and making narratives in our minds saying, oh, that's definitely about me. Now I hate this person or they hate me and on and on. Or like me, where I get one negative review on my podcast and I convince myself that I am a shitty, horrible person and I should rethink my whole strategy. And I really take those words to heart, right? Our quote unquote symptoms, which I would like to call complexes, come out only in relationship to others. So I love this quote that she says, which is BPD is not a disorder of the personality. It is a disorder of relationships, which is a really profound insight. 
The next part of this paper that I wanted to discuss was a passage that said something to the effect of BPD develops often, which and you know me by now. When I say BPD, it is the cluster of quote unquote complexes, coping mechanisms, big feelings that make up what is known as borderline personality disorder. Y'all get this by now, right? But she says BPD develops typically because we have been chronically invalidated growing up. Our existence as a human being, our existence and our right to exist as, a in, as an individual has been chronically invalidated in our early developing years, either through chronic abuse, such as big T traumas, such as sexual abuse, you know, chronic neglect, But Rebecca Lester says also what contributes to this abandonment of self is what she refers to as grinding parental indifference. Grinding parental indifference can contribute to us. Our our right to exist as an individual person is invalidated. Wow. That is profound. How many of you can relate to this concept of grinding parental indifference. I meet so many people, especially when my page was called BPDT, back when I was really on the bandwagon of fully just doing BPD content only. And so many people would comment on my page and say things like, well, I never experienced, you know, horrible abuse, or I was never sexually assaulted, So like my BPD definitely developed because of some kind of chemical imbalance or brain misfunction. I'm not, uh, clearly I'm not a neuroscientist, as you can see, because I never experienced horrible trauma and abuse. People had this nature of like clinging. They had to know why they were the way they were. So it had to be some kind of brain defect or chemical imbalance because they didn't experience sexual assault or horrible physical abuse or, or parental neglect in the way that they didn't have food growing up. There's a whole subsection of people who feel like, well, my childhood wasn't that bad. So why am I like the way that I am, right? I had my basic needs met as a child, which if you had that, it's really sad that that is like something that many children don't have. They don't have, they can't look forward to their next meal They don't have a roof over their head or maybe they're scared that their utilities are going to get cut off and they are living in abject poverty. Maybe there are children who um, are having to worry about being homeless in a month. That is the kind of stress that a lot of children have to deal with and it's very real. But there is a special kind of head fuckery that comes from growing up in a home where all your basic needs were met, you had a full belly, you had clothes to wear, you had a roof over your head. You maybe even had like holidays. You had good times with your family too. But then you just feel this sense of emptiness. And when Rebecca Lester mentioned this concept of grinding parental indifference, it really struck a chord with me because... I was like, ah, that's it. We don't talk about that enough. 
We don't talk about the people that grew up in homes where it felt like you were just part of the furniture in your home. You didn't get attention unless you were sick, maybe, unless you were, and by attention, I mean, you weren't recognized as your own solitary person. Like you, no one, no adult in your home sat down and said, what are your dreams? How are you feeling about this? Do you want to do this? That is it for today's preview of my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. If you'd like to unlock the rest of that episode, as well as 50 and counting plus hours of bonus content, get access to my monthly newsletter and new episodes of my stupid walk every Tuesday, you can open all of those possibilities by becoming a premium subscriber. You can join the premium submarine fam either on Acast Plus or Patreon. To decide which of those options is best for you, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click unlock premium. And as always, if you have any questions at all about which tier or subscription is right for you, you can always email backfromtheborderline at gmail.com. We can do our best to assist you. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to follow Back From The Borderline on Instagram and join the discussion there. Lots of fun memes being shared, stories being shared, articles, and all that fun stuff. Also, make sure to follow Back From The Borderline on your favorite podcast app of choice so you are notified every time I upload a new episode on Tuesdays. If you've loved this episode, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Spotify, or even better, share this episode with someone you love. If you have a question for me or you'd like to hear your voice on the podcast, you can send me a voicemail by going to backfromtheborderline.com and clicking the microphone icon. So that's it for me. Until next week, and I'm in your ears again next Tuesday, I hope you have an amazing day, night, evening, morning, wherever you happen to be listening to this. Love you lots. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.